You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, I always wonder, I don't know if this is the same for you, but I always wonder uh, what the disciples thought uh, as they witness all of these uh, wondrous things uh, that Jesus does. You know, what they would reflect on, how they would recall it later, what conclusions they would draw from these things. How would they answer the question, what does this mean? I mean, what did John think, for example, when he was there at the wedding at Cana and Jesus was turning water into wine? We have a little bit of the in the gospel text. At least when Jesus turned water into wine, we learned that the result was that the disciples believed in him. But I would love to have more on this. Why, why the water into wine? What do they make of the cleansing pot of the, oh, that the, the Jesus used water for cleansing and, and all of this sort of thing? What, what about James and John? What did they think when Jesus told them to cast the net on the other side of the fish, uh, the, 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 the boat? And they, <laughs> I don't think they were riding a fish. They were. When they threw the net on the other side of the boat and, and brought in this huge hole of fish. You know, what, what do they think of it? Why, why all of these fish? What, what, what of the number of them that John counted them? What did Thomas, the Apostle Thomas, think when he saw Lazarus coming out of the tomb, draped in his grave clothes, having been dead for four days? Or, or how was the conversation with Andrew and Matthew as they were walking around the crowd of 5,000, picking up the extra crumbs and the leftovers of all the people from five loaves and two fish that, that, that all the full people couldn't eat, eat anymore? What, what were they talking about? There's a number of times in the Gospel of Luke that he tells us that Mary, the mother of our Lord, after hearing the angel or seeing something wonderful happen with Jesus, she, that she, she, it, Luke says that she kept these things and she treasured them in her heart. Now, in a lot of ways, the Gospel of Luke, and especially the account of the birth and the childhood of Jesus, is the Holy Spirit-inspired recounting of all of these things that Mary treasured in her heart. But, but still, we don't get too much of Mary's own reflection of these things and what they meant. I mean, do you, can you imagine how wonderful it would be to have a little book from Mary called Reflections on the Birth of Our Lord? And to consider that? Now, again, we do have some of this. You know, in the, in the Gospels, for example... We get little notes about how the people responded to Jesus, and especially the disciples. How they re- reacted to the words and works of Jesus. For example, remember in the beginning part of John, Jesus was walking by the temple and he says, tear this temple down and I'll build it up in three days. And, and, uh, and then John says, he was talking of the temple of his body. And when he was resurrected, his disciples remembered these things. Or, or for example, we have in 1 Corinthians... Paul meditating specifically on the death and the resurrection of Jesus and and answering the question what the resurrection of Jesus means for us. John begins his epistle, uh, 1 John, saying these words, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and we touched with our hands concerning the word of life, The life was made manifest, and we have seen it. And we testify and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that that which we have seen and and heard, we proclaim to you also that you may have fellowship with us. For indeed our fellowship is with God the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
I mean, John is saying that his letter, his epistle, is a reflection on the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did. And in fact, I think this is how we should understand all of the apostolic writings, their letters and their teaching. It's, an, it's all an extended meditation on Jesus, and especially on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They're remembering all the things that Jesus accomplished in his life, and they're asking the question, what does this mean? But in the midst of all of this apostolic reflection, and in the midst of all of these writings and teachings, we have a very unique and wonderful thing in our epistle this morning from Second Peter. Because Peter is there in the epistle lesson that we read, is reflecting back on one event in the life of Jesus, namely the transfiguration. And Peter is telling us what he makes of it. Peter was there. He was there on the mountain with James and John and Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And he tells us that he's there. And then he says, this is what you should think about the transfiguration. This is what this event means for Christians and for the church. And Peter's conclusion about the transfiguration, his, his extension of it, his saying what it means, is in fact wonderful and a bit surprising. We have the epistle lesson from Second Peter printed in the bulletin. Well, I think we'll just walk through it. So if you want to follow along, please, uh, please take a look. It begins like this, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Peter writes, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now there's a few things to notice. Peter hasn't told us his conclusion yet. He's making a few observations almost in passing, and we'll notice those. First, there's no question that Peter's talking about the transfiguration. And Peter mentions here a number of things that he saw there. The power of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, and the majesty of Jesus. Now when we think of the transfiguration, this is what we normally think about. It's why we, in fact, hear this text on the last Sunday of Epiphany. It's the last and greatest example of the manifestation of Jesus as the Son of God, very God of very God, His divine nature by which He was begotten of the Father in eternity is beaming through His human nature, shining forth for the world to see. And this is wonderful. And we also notice that Peter contrasts this gospel lesson of Jesus and the preaching of Jesus with myths. He says, we did not make known to you some sort of cleverly devised myth, some story with a point, a fable, but that didn't actually happen. Peter says, we were there. We saw it. Jesus lived and he died and he lived again. This is a matter of historical record. And finally, in these verses, Peter recounts word for word the sermon of God the Father, which was preached out of the glorious cloud. Now, it is something for us to note that we very rarely hear the voice of God the Father in the Scriptures. In fact, we hear from God quite a bit, but, but almost always it's God the Son, the Word of God, Jesus, who makes the Father known to us. In fact, we only hear the voice of God the Father three times in the New Testament. At the baptism of Jesus, 
here on the Mount of Transfiguration, and just a few days before Jesus is crucified, in answer to Jesus' prayer, God the Father speaks from heaven and says, after Jesus says, glorify your name, and he says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. That's it, three times. Every other time we hear the voice of God, it's either the voice of the the Son or of the Spirit. And so here Peter takes notice of this, that this sermon of God the Father at the transfiguration is important. And we see that, in fact, it is nothing other than an expansion of the sermon that God the Father preached at the baptism of Jesus. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Now, Peter tells us that in this preaching of God the Father, that Jesus received honor and glory from the Father. Now, the Father, we make note, is always pleased to honor and glorify and lift up his Son for the world. And if Jesus is honored by the Father, then, Peter says, we do well to honor him as well. Now he continues with verse 18. We ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. The holy mountain is probably a name reserved for Jerusalem, for Mount Zion, but Peter says, look, The holy mountain is wherever Jesus is. He is the holy one who makes all things holy. And Peter uh, continues to note that, that we were there. We saw these things. Now, all of these things, all of these theological points, Peter has made in passing. But now, starting with verse 19, he's gonna tell us what it means. What's the takeaway? What are the theological conclusions of seeing Jesus transfigured? And this is what, this is what surprises us. You know, we, we think, I think, I'd at least think of the transfiguration chiefly as the glorification of Jesus, the showing forth who he is. And this is certainly true. But listen to Peter's conclusion. Verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit." The conclusion of the transfiguration is this. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. You see, the transfiguration of Jesus, and this is Peter's point here, the transfiguration of Jesus is not only showing us the glory of Jesus, it shows us the glory of the Bible. Do You see, the the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you do well to heed that the shining face of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration points us to the shining lamp of the Scriptures that is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. Now, how does Peter get there? How does Peter move from the transfiguration of Jesus as he stands there in radiance and is glowing before them to the conclusion that the Scriptures are confirmed? Now, Peter doesn't tell us this, but we can see it. First, in the Sermon of God the Father, we hear a reference to Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. 
Now, Moses, St. Moses, in his writings, very rarely, in fact, prophesies of the Messiah. He is very content to teach about Jesus and his work and his office through the tabernacle, through the institution of worship, through the sacrifices and the priesthood and all of this sort of thing. But Deuteronomy 18.18 really stands out in the writing of Moses as one of the few and very precious promises of Jesus. The text says this, I will raise up, and this is God the Father speaking, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. You see, Jesus is this prophet promised by God through Moses. And the fulfillment of this promise and of all the other promises of the Old Testament confirm the prophetic word. When God the Father says, listen to Jesus, he is saying that Jesus is the one that was promised. Jesus is the one that was prophesied. Jesus is the one whom the prophets preached. And in this we have the prophetic word confirmed. But there's more. And the second point is this. When Jesus is transfigured before Peter and James and John, he does not stand there alone by himself. Remember who's with him? Moses and Elijah, the two greatest prophets of the Old Testament, stand with Jesus and are talking with him. Now, there's always been in the church the temptation to think that there's something different happening in the Old Testament than in the New Testament. That God was mean back then, and now he's nice. (laughs) That the Old Testament is law, and the New Testament is gospel. But look, standing with Jesus in his glory are Moses and Elijah, and they're talking with each other. And Peter sees in this conversation Jesus' own approval of Moses and Elijah and all the prophets. And so, in a second way, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. But third, and I think for our comfort, this is the main point. When we see the picture of the transfiguration, the account of the transfiguration, we see, in fact, what the entire Old Testament was about. You've heard Pastor Flammy and I teaching and preaching and talking a lot about the counsel of God or the heavenly counsel. We we talk about it all the time. This is the conversation of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with each other. The prophet Jeremiah tells us, that the mark of a false prophet is that he has not stood in the counsel of God to hear what God is talking about. And this means that the mark of the true prophet is the opposite, that the true prophets have stood in the counsel of God, that they've heard the conversation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they come down to the, to the people of God to preach that conversation, to write down that conversation, to tell them what that conversation is about. This is the prophetic word. It is the conversation of God being made known. This is the heavenly council brought down to earth. And in the transfiguration, we see a picture of this. God the Father and Son are there, and the prophets are there, and they're talking to one another, and gloriously now the apostles, Peter, James, and John, are brought into that council, brought into that conversation. And they're listening, and they're preaching, and they're teaching, and they're writing. From that point on, are going to be are going to be a making known of that heavenly conversation. So that what we have in the scriptures is the conversation of God. What we have in our Bible 
is the unfolding of the mind and the words of God. It is there in the prophets and the apostles to let us know what God is talking about. And in this, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. I mean, do you see, dear saints, that we were not there on the Mount of Transfiguration? We did not see it. It was not given to us to behold the glory of Jesus shining forth from his face and his clothes. It was not for your ears to hear the preaching from the cloud. It was not for your eyes to see Moses and Elijah standing there. But the Lord has provided a light for us. The scriptures, the prophetic and the apostolic word, confirmed by Jesus, which we do well to heed. Because we know, not because we were there, but because we have the preaching of Peter, we know what God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were talking about on the mountain. And we know, not because we've been to the heavenly council, but because we have the prophets and the apostles, we know what God the Father, Son, and Spirit are talking about even in heaven. The conversation of God is about you and your salvation. It is about God's law, His perfect will, which you have broken. It is about the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus for sinners. It is about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the declaration of the forgiveness of all of your sins, which you hear day after day and week after week. The, the heavenly council is about God's love and His mercy and His compassion and His kindness, which knows no limits. Peter was there. He saw the glowing face of Jesus. And he tells us what it means for us. It means that you and I have the comfort of the Scriptures, the light of God's Word, and the great joy of knowing what God Himself thinks about and talks about. It is your forgiveness. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. 
On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.